0: of paper out of stock there's friendly faces around the block break loose from the chains that are causing you
1: pain
0: call michael and
2: stanley jim dwight creek call andy and kelly for your business paper needs dunder mifflin the people persons paper people since paper
0: people time out, time out, time out Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Out of Paper, episode 22 Hey, hey Today we're going to be talking about season 2, episode 16 of NBC's The Office, titled Valentine's Day You feeling lovey-dovey today, Dan? No <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah, why not? How about you? Yeah, that's the right answer
3: Yeah I am too Alright, great. Well, yeah. well, happy Valentine's Day, buddy. Yeah, you too. Thanks. <laughs> I mean it's July, but still. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yeah. How you been? What's new? What's shaken? Uh not a whole lot yeah. since I saw you five days four days ago, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not a whole lot. How about you?
0: True. Uh I've officially got a rough mix of our first track on my band's new ep that's coming out
3: sweet mixed
0: yeah we just need we just need to get our singer to sing over it and
3: hey you never told me about the auditions for singer
0: oh well i mean we didn't really hold any official auditions (sighs) i'm sorry my dream is dead (laughs) we can do we can do a project together my dream is dead i don't have to be in only one band it's dead rob
3: no you killed it come on you like a big man, Rob. You killed the creativity of another person. <laughs> I never want to do that. All right. Well, I'm just messing with you. I don't want to sing. Okay. Yeah.
0: I have been thinking about uh, doing our own intro for the show. Really? That'd yeah, be fun. Right?
3: Yeah. I so, like it.
0: paper people, keep your ears to the ground because you might be hearing the sweet serenades of Mr. Dan over here. Ooh
3: a lot of pressure now (laughs) i'll do it if um we can get some original artwork accompanying it that's made by carrie oh podcast
0: i could probably twist her arm into doing something like that
3: okay yeah i mean i don't know why i'm making conditions that are based on someone that's not you doing things but (laughs) (laughs) maybe i could twist her arm into doing it too yeah there you go yeah group effort yeah Ready to
0: move on to some news? Let's do it. What you got for us today? All right. I got a lot, actually. All right. So I've been dipping my toes into the Twitter universe recently. Okay. Trying to, to give our handful of followers something to to look at in their feed once in a while from us. I still don't understand
3: how Twitter works.
0: It's, it's different.
3: Yeah. It's weird. I feel like as far as I understand it, it's just like the digital version of a big wide open room. And President Trump is standing in the corner shouting. (laughs) And that's it. That's my understanding. (laughs) And I can walk into the room and I can walk out of it. Yeah. There may or may not be other people in the room, too. (laughs) Uh, But
0: anyway, I've been following all of the actors and various other people who worked on The Office over the years. And I got to say, Meredith Palmer Really fun person to follow on Twitter. Really? Yeah. She's actually been really active, like touring around, going to conventions. I know she was at a convention with
3: Oscar Nunez recently. That's great. What's her actual name? Flannery? Is Kate Flannery.
0: There you go. Cool. Yeah.
3: Well, that's that, awesome. That's actually what I meant to say when I was... Yeah, no, I figured. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt until there was a pause, but I felt like we should at least mention her name since we're talking about yeah. the real, you know, Kate Flannery, not Meredith Palmer. Yeah
0: yeah so the other day i think it was over the weekend uh-huh she posted a video of herself on the bow of a boat really shaking a groove fang. oh she wasn't king of the world in it no she didn't king of the world it okay but she was up there dancing and bow waving stern? And i don't know what honestly i i don't even know what either of those things officially are
3: well if any viewers want to call in and let us know <laughs> yeah
0: the lines are open if we have any boat enthusiasts <laughs> That know the proper terminology, let us know. Right. <laughs> well, that's cool. She's yeah. She's grooving. Moving into grooving. Nice. Yeah, she's got some moves. Strutting her
3: stuff. She can dance. Wow. Lady can dance. All right. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the office, whenever we see her dancing, it's never anything very impressive. No, I know. So, yeah. it's always interesting to me when actors uh, portray a role and their character does something involving a skill that in real life they possess. To a great level, and they decide for whatever reason to uh, just go a different way. I feel like it's always a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. This is true. I like seeing good actors act like bad actors. Yeah. Too. It's right. It's like the same exact thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> In other news, John Krasinski just yesterday, July 15th, started filming A Quiet Place
3: 2. Ah, maybe that's what I saw the other day yeah. that I meant to bring up. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I still haven't seen one yet. Have you? No. Okay, it's on my list. We need to do it. Yeah. It's on our list. Okay, well, our list and my (laughs) list. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) Honestly, you'll probably have more luck going through your own personal list than we together will have going through our list that we've built up since doing this show.
3: That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll figure it out one of these days. Indeed. Yeah, there's only so much time in a week. Let's get the white shirt. We should definitely put
0: a quiet place one at the top of our list i feel like right it was it was kind of a cultural zeitgeist of the time you know when it came out everyone was talking about it
3: it's true you know what let's just pause the podcast right now watch it <laughs> we'll put in like a little sound effect yeah. yeah, yeah and then we'll be like oh man that movie was either really great or really awful <laughs> way to go or what did you do john krasinski (laughs) (laughs) oh boy that person has really got him or herself into quite a predicament (laughs) uh in other
0: news um ryan howard well yeah actually no (laughs) oh ryan howard okay the, the sports star yes okay has officially retired oh wow and bj novak left him a video really congratulating him on his retirement yeah Yeah, we should have watched it and bj novak plays ryan howard in the office and ryan howard the baseball player Mm -hmm. is also in season nine subway eat
3: fresh oh that's him that's right that was him yeah so is he retiring to go into the film industry i hope so I hope he does. I that. would watch that movie. Yeah.
0: The base, the baseball alien movie. Yeah. yeah.
3: Big. I don't whatever his nickname is. I don't remember. I don't either. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs>
0: I do have the BJ Novak video pulled up here. If you want to take a quick gander, if it's, if it's good, maybe we'll just put the clip in the show. We could do that. All right,
3: here we go. He's the big piece by the way
0: everyone can agree there is
4: nothing more satisfying than celebrating all the time you've had with the
3: big piece that's what she said
2: congratulations ryan howard proud to share your name nice very
3: cool yeah short and sweet do you think he's as big a ryan howard fan as he is a Smokey robinson fan Mm, probably about
0: the same (laughs) (laughs) tears of clown (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I got. Okay. That was some fun. That was a fun news segment. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I dig it. Yeah. I didn't even look at your outline yet. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing my own. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Should we jump into the episode? (laughs) Let's do it. All right. This is season two, episode 16, Valentine's Day, first aired on February 9th. 2006, to 8.95 million viewers! Getting back up there! Getting back up there. Almost almost a solid 9 mil. Very good. This episode is written by Michael Schuer and directed by Greg Daniels. Two huge, heavy hitters. It's a big one. In the office game. Strong combo. And it, and it is. It is indeed. So the episode opens. We see... Uh, Valentine's Day decorations on the front of Pam's desk, and the mm-hmm. camera pans up, and there's there's little Pammy wearing a, wearing a headband.
3: She is, yeah, pink it's, headband, pink shirt.
0: Yeah, she's really in the spirit. Pink, at least uh, it, there's
3: like little pink figures on her desk. Yeah, pens.
0: Yeah, she's in the spirit at this point. Yes, I feel like she has a hard time holding on to that that feeling throughout the day. But yeah, this is the first time we've seen her with a headband, or any other hairstyle at all, for that matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get a talking head with her, explaining that it's Valentine's Day, and that she really likes Valentine's Day in the office. It's like grade school. Everybody hands out little cards and gifts, and we see Oscar hand Meredith a little gift. Mm -hmm. And she says, last year, Jim gave her a card with Dwight's head on it.
3: (laughs) It was horrifying and funny. She really liked it. And she later is going to use uh, Dwight as an art project as well. An art project? Yeah, she's going to use his face. All right. On an assy art.
0: Oh, yes, <laughs> that's true. I was thinking, I thought you meant this episode. I was, oh,
3: uh, no. I, yeah. If that happens in this episode, I didn't catch it. No, it didn't. Okay. You're uh, just humoring me. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> okay. I
0: thought <laughs> well, maybe I missed something. You know, you never know. That's true. So, a delivery guy arrives with a huge bouquet of roses. She, he brings it up to Pam's desk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pam reads the card and calls out Phyllis's name. We get another extension of Pam's talking head explaining that her and Roy are saving for the wedding, so they're not allowed to get gifts too big to exchange this year. And we see Meredith at Pam's desk reading Phyllis's little love note from Bob Vance out loud. <laughs> Uh, it says something along the lines of, Phyllis, my sweet, happy Valentine's Day. Love Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Phyllis says, Isn't he sweet? And <laughs> Meredith genuinely agrees. She's like, Yeah, wow. And the uh, camera kind of pans over to Jim and he gives like a wholesome little smirk. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, yeah. Good for Phyllis. Yeah, it's good to see Phyllis happy. And at this point, we get our first clip with Michael and Dwight. Let's do it.
4: All right, Dwight. As you know, I'm heading to New York today, doing a presentation on the branch to the new CFO.
2: And you want me to come with you? No, the opposite of that. I will stay here and run things on this end. Good, good. Question, will you be seeing Jan when you're in New York? I probably will. Why do you ask? Well, it's Valentine's Day, and you guys, you know. Well... (laughs) screwed. What is your problem?
4: This is a business trip. I would have to be a raving lunatic to try to talk to Jan about what happened between us. Her words, not mine. She sent me an email this morning. But it is Valentine's Day. It's New York. City of love. Hey, Pam. You heart NY, right? You want me to pick up anything? That's okay. All right. The best present would be you do a good job in front of the new CFO. Dude, I'm going to nail it. Me in New York? Ah, oh, I own that city. Forget about it.
0: See ya. <laughs> Sounds like he has his mouth full of cotton balls when he says forget about it.
3: Forget about it.
0: <laughs> I love forget about it. Oscar, his, his facial expression doesn't change. He's just, like, kind of watching Michael, but Mm -hmm. there's also, you just get the sense that he's, in his head, he's just thinking, we're
3: doomed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's great. And if he observed any of the uh, filming of Michael's movie, he thinks that with good reason. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) All right, so we get... um... Oh, actually, uh, there's something I wanted to bring up before we get too far ahead. Sorry, you didn't wait for it, man. There was ample pause. Well, it's fine. I'm just going to go. Ahead. <laughs> um, I want to point out that in that clip that we just played, while Dwight and Michael are having a conversation. We see Dwight passing Michael a number of things. One of them is a passport. <laughs> he holds up to the camera and nods very importantly as he hands it to Michael. And then the other one appeared to be a translator of some sort. Like a handheld translator with a big keypad on it. That's funny. So yeah, just two of the things that Michael seemed to feel he would need in New York for whatever reason. (laughs) It's it's funny
0: to look back now that there's all of these little electronic devices with a singular purpose.
3: Yeah, you have have
0: a calculator. That's a singular thing. You have a translator. That it's it's its own thing. Mm -hmm. With the advent of smartphones, those singular use. Electronic devices are now pretty much nowhere to be found.
3: Oh, yeah. You definitely don't need those. Yeah. You got it all.
0: It's just one of those things. You look back and you're like, oh, yeah.
3: I almost forgot
0: about those. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready to move on? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we cut to Michael driving in his car, talking to the camera in his passenger seat, explaining that he's headed to New York. New York, New York. City's so nice, they named it twice. Manhattan is the other name, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not understanding the expression, no, and uh mapped it out, Manhattan is about a two and a half hour drive from Scranton, okay, just so everyone can get an idea of how long he's on the road. yeah, it's not too bad, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jan makes that trip pretty regularly,
3: mm-hmm. so, and then later, Michael.
0: Alright, so we get a talking head with Jim, explaining that he broke up with Katie, and hasn't been dating anyone else. So this year, he doesn't have to worry about Valentine's Day. He's invited a few friends over to play cards, and he's going to win a lot of money. Because they're idiots.
3: It's going to be great. <laughs> I find it a little concerning Jim thinks so little of his friends. We never I meet mean, any of his friends.
0: when you're... I feel like when poker's involved, everyone kind of talks a little shit. And- yeah. Gets cocky. It's Fair just, enough. Yeah, that's just part of the poker experience. So we cut to Dwight sitting down at his desk, and he's alarmed by a nondescript cardboard package on his desk. Yes, Jim, what it is? Jim replies, how should I know? It's on your desk. Dwight says, how did it get here and for what purpose? It was there when I sat down, man. I don't know. White gently and cautiously opens the package with his pocket knife, and he pulls out a small card. I love how delicately
3: he does it. Oh yeah, He's like holding the knife with two fingers.
0: He's either I, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was either like kind of worried about what was in the package, so he was being very gentle yeah, I think with he it. He thinks
3: it's like a bomb or something, right?
0: Or if it was like he just didn't, if it was something breakable or scratchable, he didn't want to mess it up. But yeah, I would imagine. I it, think
3: that he thought it was a prank. From
0: yeah. Jim. Okay. I, yeah. That's. Definitely the most likely scenario. He reads the card. It just says, happy Valentine's day. He reads it like that for whatever reason. (laughs) He does. It's very strange. (laughs) Yeah. He glances up at Angela and reaches into the package. He pulls out a bobblehead. He says, it's me. I'm the (laughs) bobblehead. And then he grins very, very wide. It's a grin of pure joy. Directly into the camera. Oh yeah.
3: And he fist pumps and exclaims, Yes! with a clenched jaw. I wish I could get as excited <laughs> about anything as Dwight got know, about right? that bobblehead. I know. <laughs> yeah, even in uh, even
0: in Michael's video that we see later, when there's the shot of Dwight, he's like the only person who's very enthusiastic and happy to be on camera. Every, oh, yeah. Everybody else that that Michael captures (laughs) is very nonplussed by being filmed by Michael. But Dwight is all about it.
3: He's all in. Yeah. Slash actively irritated in some people's cases.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, after his very excited reaction, we see Angela kind of slyly glance over and, and smirk a little bit. We cut to Michael on the streets of New York. Explaining that he likes to get to the city early before meetings like this to hit some of his favorite haunts. <laughs> this morning he's getting a New York slice from one of his favorite pizza joints. And the camera pans over and reveals
3: that he's heading to Sabaro. Yep, Sabaro of Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been to that Sabaro. Oh, really? Yeah. I oh, was wow. meeting someone there. I did not get pizza. Yeah. Okay. Because Why would you get pizza at Sbarro yeah. in New York City? That's what was so funny about what it. Sir it's Michael.
0: <laughs> pretty much any, I feel like any major mall has got a
3: Sabaro in it. Any mall, any airport. Airport. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Bus terminal. They're train. everywhere. Yeah. It's one of the most ubiquitous nationwide known to be not super great pizza chains. But better than Domino's Pizza Hut, Papa John's. Yeah, I them that. Yeah. And some of them are fancy. They have a buffet with like pasta and lasagna and stuff like that. Oh, really? Salibar. Yeah, you never seen one of those?
0: I guess not. Huh. I've only seen them in like mall food courts and they don't have those offerings, at least in the ones I've been to.
3: I grew up around a mall that had a standalone sabaro near the food courts. Oh. They had a big buffet line with all sorts of like, Italian dishes. Interesting. Yeah. And they weren't that
0: bad. All right. Yeah. And from here, we get a clip of Kelly talking to Jim in the break room. Poor Jim.
2: <laughs> hey, Kelly. What's up?
0: Nothing.
4: Oh, except, oh my God, Jim, last night, Ryan and I totally, finally hooked up. It was awesome. That's great. I'm really happy for you. I know, and it was so Mm -hmm. funny because we were at this bar with his friends, and Mm -hmm. I was sitting next to him the whole night, and he wasn't making a move, so in my head, I was like, Ryan, what's taking you so long? (laughs) And then he kissed me, and I didn't know what to say, so I said, Ryan, what took you so long? I mean, I just said it to him. Can you believe that? Wow. Oh my God, Jim, is that embarrassing? I'm embarrassed. No, don't be. Oh, no. thank God. Because right. I was nervous, Jim. You will not believe. I was I so nervous. But now, now I have a boyfriend. All
0: right. <laughs> I hooked up with her on February 13th. <laughs> Ryan looks very distraught.
3: I just say I didn't really think about it until listening to just the audio isolated, but I love Kelly's last little.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Excited squeal. Very excited.
3: <laughs> yeah, Ryan, it's, he just has his, he's just like ruffling his hair. He's just got his hands completely covering his face. Yeah, he's, <laughs>
0: he's not in a good place mentally.
3: Nope. <laughs> it's almost like he can see the future. And you couldn't. For years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you couldn't hear it in the clip, but the entire time Kelly was talking, Jim was slowly inching back out of the break room. Yeah, and that last part, he was essentially like just barely looking at her through a crack in the door. Uh huh.
3: (laughs) He's like leaning backwards. Yeah, I like that she leans around the door with him so that she can still make as much contact as possible. Keeps going. That's so funny. (laughs) I also like that now after the last uh, episode, uh, when well, not after the last episode, but after the carpet specifically. Now Jim is Kelly's confidant. Oh, yeah. she's for everything. She finally found somebody who
0: yep. <laughs> she likes to talk to. That's Jim. It's funny because I feel like in subsequent seasons, they don't talk as much as they have even just so far in season two.
3: No, that's true. Yeah. Well, she has access to Ryan more
0: that's true and other people with him being the yeah and she starts interacting with a lot of other people so
3: and there's that
0: yeah. yeah so we cut back so this entire episode it's just cutting back and forth between Michael in New York and our right. our people in the office and there's there's a lot of cuts in this episode just so everyone's aware so we cut back to Michael he's in the heart of New York City Times Square named for the good times you have when you're in it <laughs> Most people, when they come to New, York, to New York, go straight to the Empire State Building. That's very touristy. I come here. It's great places to eat. We have <laughs> Bubba, Grump, Bubba Gump shrimp and a Red Lobster down there. You know, this is this is the heart of civilization right here.
3: <laughs> Again, two more big chains. Well, I've never actually oh, yeah. seen a Bubba Gump shrimp anywhere, but I know it is a chain that's also found in places like airports and stuff. Right. It's
0: true. But. And Yeah. Heart of civilization. I feel like it's <laughs> it's the heart of Western capitalist civilization.
3: All civilization. <laughs> no. You know, actually, I learned an interesting fact about Times Square earlier today, Rob. Yeah, no, let's hear it. Um, that whole area used to be all porn shops and hookers, but not <laughs> anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. <Have laughs> For you- our, our viewers, that would say a uh, deleted scene from... This episode, this episode yeah, yeah, Michael wandering around. That's one of the factoids he drops about Times Square. Did you? Pretty sure uh, that's not true.
0: <laughs> have you ever? Have you gone through any of the Deuce?
3: The Deuce. <sighs> no, I've not. Oh man, it's funny
0: because if you've watched that show, they show uh, maybe it's not Times Square where it's a lot of the action shot in, but you know, obviously, it's mm-hmm. a show about kind of the CD sexual underbelly of New York in the 70s. Right. And that description that Michael gave would definitely match the aesthetic of that show.
3: Oh nice. So, here Michael uh, dropped some wisdom.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I don't yeah, I don't know if it was all in Times Square, but yeah, fair enough. Uh so we cut to Pam at her desk. Uh, another delivery guy is there with a tulip bouquet this time mm-hmm. in a vase. Pam smiles and signs for it, peeks at who's who it's for, and slight disgust washes over her face as she lets out a disappointed "oh." She walks it over to Phyllis' desk and says, guess what? Phyllis smiles big and says, really? Pam gives her a curt, mm-hmm. Phyllis says, oh, it's from Bob again. <laughs> Pam says, that's great. <laughs> she does a good job with the progression of disgust and disappointment whenever yeah. whenever anyone gets a gift as this episode goes. Mm-hmm. So the camera from Phyllis pans over to Meredith, who's taking a very long pull off of her big gulp esque cup. Oh, it's not a big gulp specifically? I don't I couldn't the the cup was never oriented okay. directly at the camera, so it was hard to see if it was You know, anything specifically.
3: What percentage of soda to booze do you think that is in that cup?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe half and half.
3: Ooh, half and half.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's still a really strong drink. It's true. Yeah. And it's a big cup.
3: (laughs) And she can refill it throughout the day.
0: But we don't know at this point that there is booze in it. We can assume... A lot of people probably do assume
3: at this point. Yeah, I, I feel it. like we've seen enough of Meredith that it's a safe assumption.
0: But we don't know for sure yet. We do get a much bigger hint later in the episode.
3: Oh, do we? I yeah. didn't. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even notice.
0: Oh, yeah. So we cut back to Michael in the city. He's walking down the 49th Street subway entrance. with train's going to Uptown Queens. Or rather, Uptown and Queens. Uh-huh. Uh, He's explaining to everyone that, uh, everyone in New York takes the subway. It's fast, efficient, gets you there on time. It's a way to, he does a quick (laughs) U-turn. Says, okay, there's a guy pooping.
3: And it's like when he's about to turn the corner, like the (laughs) mid flight of stairs. Yeah. (laughs) I also made a note. I don't know if you noticed. I didn't notice until this watch through ever actually, but, uh, he's going down the wrong side of the stairs. Down yeah. to the subway also. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right, because everybody's <laughs> walking
1: up.
3: Yeah, I mean, generally, you know, it's not a rule or anything, but right. yeah, if you're going to walk uh, downstairs, you walk down on the right side and you walk up on right. the, also the right side. Right. Yeah. Depending on which way you're facing. Yeah, yeah. but I feel like, every, at least in the United States, that seems to be the norm for right. staircases. People just figure it out on their own. Just like the, like driving.
0: Right, traffic, you know, I feel yeah. like if you're on a, a, a wide sidewalk and there's a lot of people, that's generally... Yeah, a, you
3: move to the side. Right, yeah, and yeah. You know which side to go to.
0: Exactly. But Michael does not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but he owns this city, Dan. That's true. Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. So, yeah, he, he was very excited about the subway until he came across a man pooping in a cardboard box.
3: Mm-hmm. Classic New York site. (laughs) I mean, it kind of is. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not saying that facetiously. (laughs) Yeah. I was born in New York. Yeah. (laughs) Spent a lot of time there. There you go. (laughs) So we cut to
0: Michael in front of Rockefeller Center, founded, of course, by Theodore Rockefeller. (laughs) Who he's confusing for Theodore Roosevelt, because the Rockefeller Center was built by John D. Rockefeller Jr. Right. He points out the skating rink and claims the Rangers practice there sometimes. Uh, and then he sees Tina Fey. And he walks up to her quickly, <laughs> and then realizes it's not Tina. The woman looks very upset that a stranger has approached her so aggressively. And as Michael apologizes, the camera latches on to Conan O'Brien, who's just casually walking up to the building, right past Michael and the fake Tina. <laughs> Michael wrestles the attention of the camera back from Conan and we don't see it, but we're left to assume that the crew told him that Conan just walked by and Michael gets super disappointed and annoyed that he missed him. He's like, are you serious? He was here? When? When I was talking to the fake Tina Fey? Come on. <laughs> you <don't> ch- <laughs> And then he does his, I love, I love this mannerism of Michael's where he kind of gets flustered, and upset but he doesn't say anything out loud but the way he's like moving his head you can just kind of see what's going on up there
3: uh huh <laughs> <laughs> so funny did you see um how michael Sher came up with that gag about the fake <laughs> tina fey yeah so basically uh they were commenting on how when you're in uh, outside of rockefeller center every woman who goes by with glasses gets mistaken for tina fey But when uh, Michael Sure went down there with the real Tina Fey, nobody recognized her. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny.
0: (laughs) So we cut to Angela being a busy little beaver. Dwight (laughs) Dwight walks up to her, pretending to read documents in a manila folder. And he tells her that somebody totally rocked the house and bought him the best gift he's ever been given. And Angela feigns ignorance, but is glad that he enjoyed it. She points out that she hasn't received anything for Valentine's Day yet. Dwight assures her that she will before the day is over. hmm Angela says, Well, I hope I do. Dwight smiles as she walks away and then falls into a thousand yard stare, realizing he doesn't have anything for her yet. He
3: looks terrified. Yeah. I also like that uh, their relationship I feel has come a long way that even though there's no coworkers around, it's a big step that they're actually comfortable talking publicly.
0: Yeah, I about mean, their relationship. Dwight still has a folder with documents in front of him that he's pretending to read.
3: Oh, right, but still. Yeah,
0: I mean, they're giving the appearance that they're just talking about office stuff. which Right, I
3: f- but it's a far cry away from awkward stare and then just breaking apart and going in two separate directions. It's true,
0: it's true. <laughs> so we cut back to Michael again, walk on the streets of the Big Apple. It's explaining that he would love to live in New York someday. He'd work at corporate with Jan. It's a dream of his. It'd be awesome. Go to Broadway shows, eat hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Scranton is great, but New York is like Scranton on acid. No. On speed. Nah. On on steroids. <laughs> About a year from when this episode aired, Steve Carell was on Leno. Oh
3: yeah, I saw this.
0: Yeah. And Claimed that he hates it when people use the phrase blank.
3: It's like blank on steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a stupid phrase. It is. I like that he starts off with on acid because that's a very <laughs> interpretive and kind of nonsensical way yeah. to describe something.
0: There are probably aspects of New York that are like Scranton on acid. It's like Scranton, but there's a guy pooping in a
3: cardboard box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So after all the walking, Michael's lost. He reaches a river. He points at it and says, oh, "That's either the Hudson or the East." So we're back that way. <laughs> <laughs> we see him sitting in front of a fountain, explaining that there's a lot of pressure on him today. It's like Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals, or like Storman Norman Schwarzkopf, who is the general who served as commander at Central Command during Desert Storm. Right. And his presentation is Desert Storm. as soon as it's over, we won't have to deal with those Iraqis anymore. (laughs) Let's do it. And at this point, obviously.
3: Yeah, I think this is... Our uh,
0: occupation of Iraq was a couple of years.
3: Yeah, shortly after the second Iraqi war started. (laughs) Right.
0: Uh, So we cut back to the office. Jim is on the phone. He's talking to his friend. Who's bowing out of poker night. Because he got a date. Jim gives him a hard time and jest. And... As soon as he gets off the phone, Pam looks up at at him with a very intense look that is hard to describe. I can't, based off of her face, I couldn't really tell exactly what she was emoting.
3: Really? Yeah. Okay, and I thought it was interesting that you wrote it that way. (laughs) Uh, My takeaway, I mean, could be wrong, obviously, was that it was, uh, she felt a little bad for him. You know, that he is single on Valentine's Day, basically, and, was, you know, that was his plans as he's making, you know, plans with friends to Whoa, play poker.
0: that's really an interesting take. I never would have...
3: Yeah, I felt like my takeaway was that she has spent the day so far feeling down on herself because Roy hasn't come up with some grand romantic gesture to sweep her off her feet for Valentine's Day like Bob keeps doing with Phyllis, and I feel like it kind of put it into perspective for her a little bit. For the huh. first time in the day, she stopped being what was me and was like, well, you know, at least I'm not Jim. Interesting. And she likes Jim, so that's not like a gratifying feeling for her to feel. That's my takeaway. That's really funny. I, I Maybe don't... I'm reading a lot into an expression. Well, I mean,
0: the, the, <laughs> but that's the thing about it is this, the look she's giving is there's no, there's no way to really know what's going on in her head. Because for me, I was looking at her and thinking that. She was kind of in conflict, like an internal strife, about her feelings for Jim on this day. Because oh. as she's sitting there, I think she looks at Jim and is like, "You know, Jim would have probably already done two or three things at this point in our Valentine's Day if had if we were together."
3: You think that she's having those thoughts? Kind this soon? of, maybe. Yeah. See, I don't.
0: That's what's so hard about it is I just don't know. And it's such an intense gaze, but I have a hard time seeing her feeling bad for him because he was just on the phone, like laughing and he's got a smile on his face and he doesn't seem upset about not having someone on Valentine's day.
3: Well, yeah, but he's smiling as he ribs his friends for canceling plans that he has right with them. But so he doesn't
0: seem, he doesn't seem like he's upset about his situation in the moment.
3: Well, that's just how Jim plays his hands, though. In every situation, I mean, think—well, it just way felt, forward into the. It felt okay. genuine to me. His. Oh, okay, his I, I feel happiness. like maybe five percent of Jim's emotes are genuine, unless he's being observed by the camera when he's by himself. I feel like that's when he mm. behaves genuinely. I feel like most of what he does is putting on his gym for the camera yeah yeah or just for people around him you know i I don't think even i don't think jim cares as much about being on camera and entertaining for the camera as say michael does no i think jim cares about entertaining and performing for the people around him when he cares about it like think about uh the finer things club Mm -hmm. why does a certain office member not want jim to be of it because he thinks that Jim uh, tries too hard to be funny and monopolizes the conversation. Yeah, and uh, I mean, another character tells him, you know, maybe try taking a day off from the whole Jim shtick, see what it feels like <laughs> to really care about something. You know, it might be nice. Right. <laughs> we also see that Jim generally, when he goes around the office, he uh, he usually seems pretty at ease. He's smiling. He's happy. Right. But then again, much later in the series, we have a conversation with him and Michael where Michael says he's feeling like a zero and uh, Jim says, yeah, he doesn't feel great either. And Michael asks him what he usually is. And he says usually about a six. Now he feels like a four. And Michael says usually he feels like a (laughs) 10. But uh, so, yeah, I feel like, you know, Jim is just he's not like a generally happy person. I feel like he just masks it with an air of contentment. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess regarding Pam's look and the meaning of that, the way I saw it was she just gives him like a a kind of sorrowful smile. She's smiling at him, but it's no, No, no? she's not smiling. Well, I feel like it's here. Let's
0: let's watch it again. We'll pull it up. We'll we'll freeze frame on her face.
3: I feel like maybe now I'm being like Michael and look at Jim's face. He's laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's
0: it's weird. Okay.
3: Uh, uh, Hmm. Going though, yeah, oh uh, yeah, no There's smile, no smile, huh?
0: and it's like kind of like a weird. She like looks away after a little bit, and then does a
3: yeah,
0: a weird. It's not a smirk. her Her mouth kind of goes to the side, like she's, maybe that's
3: what I was seeing as a weird smile. But it, yeah, but it's looking more, at her, it's more like she's now, pondering something. Yeah, yeah, no, I I don't know. Then, well, maybe I have too much of the benefit of future knowledge to be impartial. Mm. In my interpretation.
0: Well, it is a retrospective, so we kind of have to approach it that way. I guess so. Yeah. So, after this weird little look from Pam, another delivery arrives. This time it's being delivered by Leo, played by showwriter Gene Stupinski.
3: I love this guy.
0: Yeah, he's great. <laughs> and he's carrying a gigantic teddy bear. It is absurd to carry. Lunch. Yeah.
3: Like, where do they
0: even find this thing? I have no idea. Honestly, i I wouldn't be surprised if it was custom made
3: for this episode. And if this was a real life scenario, what does Bob intend for Phyllis to do with this thing? I feel <laughs> this is gonna take up like a half a room in her house or her apartment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it's meant to be a permanent fixture in her life. I'm sure it's just the gesture, and she'll enjoy it for a day and then
3: throw it away. I mean, I, hopefully, Bob's gonna throw it away for her because it's like a Christmas tree sized ordeal although we never we never see phyllis
0: in her home life maybe she's the type of person that would like love this kind of thing that's true maybe her home is just filled with teddy bears of all shapes
3: and sizes Mm -hmm. i could see it and maybe bob vance vance refrigeration does really well for himself and he lives in a gigantic mansion that (laughs) one day he will maybe share with phyllis
0: (laughs) Maybe he has a teddy bear costume that he wears when they're alone together.
3: What if he's in that bear? What if
0: he's in the bear?
3: (laughs) Oh, man. So many
0: possibilities.
3: This is adding like a weird horror angle to this episode or everything seems to be normal. But really, Bob Vance is just sitting there silently, just breathing quietly (laughs) in this giant bear in the corner of the room the whole episode.
0: (laughs) And Phyllis secretly knows it. It's a weird
3: fetish of theirs. Somebody Two people are standing near the bear. Angela says Meredith, where did she get that thing? From Bob Vance? And you just hear the bear muffled go, Vance Refrigerations.
0: <laughs> That'd be amazing. We should have been writers on this show. Oh, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Could have been a
3: deleted scene at least. Yeah.
0: Leo calls out, Phyllis Lappin, it's from Bob. Pam looks up and says, holy God. (laughs) Kevin quips, that thing is bigger than I am. No, it's not. (laughs) Zip it. At this point, Phyllis (laughs) is like beelining it across the office floor. And she's just got this like manic, happy look on her face. She looks like
3: a little girl who's running into a candy shop. Yeah,
0: just... Could not be more excited Overjoyed Yeah Yeah I love it (laughs) Phil's
3: coming alive (laughs) I love Love it it.
0: (laughs) Literally this time (laughs) And from here we get a clip of Michael Scott, regional manager Meeting the other Dunder Mifflin regional managers (laughs)
4: There they are What's up?
0: Hey. Hey
2: Hey
4: Michael Scott Josh Porter High five Bam.
2: You know Dan Gore from Buffalo.
4: Yeah, how you doing? Nobody needs to introduce this guy. Craigers. Oh, what's up, buddy? You have been kicked out of every strip club in Albany, is that true? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so what's going on? what I miss? Not much. They're uh, I guess running late upstairs. So we're just waiting for the presentations. Cool. Good, good, good. Give us some time to catch up and <laughs>
3: Awkward silence. None of them have anything to say to one another, <laughs> except for Michael to Kreger's. That's right. I find it interesting that he is overjoyed to see Kreger's, and Craig seems happy to see Michael too.
0: Yeah, I mean, in a certain I'm way, not that,
3: super happy to see Michael.
0: No, they're kind like, of. What's up, buddy? They're kind of two peas in a pod.
3: Yeah my my thought is that of of the regional managers that interact with one another regularly at Dunder Mifflin. Other managers probably are not a big fan of interacting with Michael or Kregers. It's true. So, you know, they have to right. kind of be a little more excited to see one another. Yeah. Friends by default. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs> Michael here is kicked out of every strip club in Albany and thinks, that's someone I want to spend that's time coolest with. coolest guy yeah. in the world. Who's this guy I think he is? Todd Packer? Yeah. This guy's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Kregers is played by Craig Anton. He hails from Omaha, Nebraska. Some notable series he's been involved in include Mr. Show, Mad TV as a three-year recurring cast member, Curb in the episode Beloved Aunt.
3: Ah. Yeah.
0: He plays uh, Cheryl's sister's boyfriend, I think. Right. Craig.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to break up with uh, Cheryl's sister. That's right asks what the appropriate amount of time is. And then almost gets in fisticuffs with Larry at the hotel. Oh, man.
0: This guy plays a great, just like, he's just the perfect go-to douchebag asshole. Yeah, it's really sleazy. Yeah. Uh, he was in Tom Goes to the Mayor pretty regularly. Oh, wow. Mad Men, Phil of the Future, which I believe he was a, a writer on. Maybe the head writer, the showrunner. I
3: don't know if I've ever seen that.
0: Me either uh with Bob and David, Bob's Burgers, and Marin seems to use him a lot in his IFC show Marin.
3: Oh wow, right, he's his brother.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It's been a while I since never I've put that together either. That. But yeah. Yeah.
3: I believe so unless I'm mistaking him. Yeah. But I think that's him.
0: Mhm. I mean, he yeah, he's been in
3: wow, five or six Marin episodes. So Props to Craig Anton. I I feel like without you writing up this list I never would have placed him in all of these things and I've seen most of them yeah and I can think of him immediately he's kind
0: of a chameleon exactly yeah Yeah. he he kind of just blends into whatever role he's doing Like Gary Oldman yeah kind of yeah uh next up we get Dan Cole who plays Dan Gore in the episode has I think one line when he meets Michael and at the very end of his presentation has another and that's all we really hear from him right I think we see him in a couple more episodes, but again, not a big part.
3: Yeah, I don't think he has any speaking lines in those, Mm -hmm. if we do see him. Right. Either.
0: Uh, He's had small roles in Arrested Development, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec, and Baskets. And he's also got a role as a police officer in the upcoming Harley Quinn movie that's coming out.
3: Let's keep an eye out for that. Oh,
0: yeah. Did you ever see... what was that movie called with all of the Batman villains?
3: Suicide Squad.
0: Suicide Squad. I did not. It was something. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Charles Esten Pusker, Puskar?
3: I don't know. That's a tough one.
0: Yeah. The third. The third, born on September 9th, 1965,
3: professionally known as Chip Esten, Easton, Esten. I don't know. I wonder where his family's from. I can see here that he's American, but with a name like Eston Pascar the Third, it sounds like he's yeah. like Russian nobility or something. Yeah, I don't know. Eastern European nobility of some kind. Yeah. He plays Josh
0: Porter, and he's an American actor, singer, and comedian. Eston is best known for his role as country singer Deacon Claiborne on the American Broadcasting Company slash CMT drama Nashville. Uh he played that character from twenty twelve to twenty eighteen. He's previously appeared on the improvisation show Whose Line It Line Is It Anyway between nineteen ninety-nine and two thousand five. It's a pretty good run. He was one of my favorites. Uh on Whose Line, he was often paired with Wayne Brady to do the musical games. Huh. And he appeared a number of times in film, mostly ones
3: starring Kevin Costner. I need to go back and whatever. Reason. some old Who's Line to see his performance. Oh man, you don't remember him? No, I, I feel like Who's Line is one of those shows I've seen a lot, mm-hmm. or yeah, a lot of little bits of it over the years, just sprinkled throughout. Yeah. So who knows who I've seen and who I haven't. Oh,
0: I feel like he was on it almost every other, I mean, I guess I never watched it chronologically, but I feel like every other time I turned it on, he was one of the... contestants yeah
3: yeah i I think that just as far as the like non-regular like every episode cast members like ryan styles and wayne brady i I think i just didn't really know any of the other ones by name even if i was familiar with them by sight
0: yeah okay that's my point is he was but i guess he was a regular about as regular as those guys maybe not ryan styles i feel like ryan styles was in damn near every episode but you know about as often as wayne brady
3: Huh. I also wasn't familiar with Jeff Davis until you're getting into Harmontown and Harmontown, then going yeah. back and watching some clips. And like, oh, yeah, that guy. Right. So, yeah, I think it's just one of those.
0: Yeah, it's cases. true. Uh, he had roles on notable TV shows, including Married with Children, Star Trek Next Gen, and Star Trek Voyager. Right. ER, The Mentalist, and, of course, The Office. Currently, he's a regular cast member on a show called Outer Banks, which will premiere in 2020.
3: Let's keep an eye out for Josh Porter.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I feel like he's very underused
3: in The Office. He is. Yeah, he's a talented guy. I've seen him in a number of movies. I can't think of the names, but nothing is listed here. And yeah, he's always good. Yeah. And uh, they don't use much of him.
0: You know what's funny is for the longest time probably in the early 2000s around the time when I was catching episodes of who's line, I would always confuse him with the actor who played Cyclops in the X-Men films and was Teddy in Westworld. Oh, he looks a lot like that guy. He really does. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He's a little older than that guy, but yeah, look very he's, similar. He's
0: got a little bit more rugged of a face.
3: And the guy that plays captain Jack and, in- Doctor Who, they all kind of look, yeah, like the same person to an extent. True.
0: (laughs) I always felt like Captain Jack had a little more of a Tom Cruise vibe. Oh, poor guy. Oh, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe vibe is the wrong word. Okay. Maybe
3: (laughs) of all the things to have in comparison (laughs) with Tom Cruise, I feel like the vibe is the one you want to stay away from the most. That's true. His hair, his appearance, his yeah. acting ability, even his sure. But his, he, has, he has a Tom Cruise look. Yeah. There you go. That's what I was going for. And if there's any Scientologist listeners, uh, you're probably not allowed to listen to this podcast. So shame on you. Get back to conditioning or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the show is scientifically proven to drain thetans.
3: Yeah. don't You don't want to be around. Or we give you thetans. Whatever is worse. Yeah, whatever is worse. Yeah, we do that. So sorry, guys. At least we're nice enough to warn you. Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. So from here, we get another clip of Dwight asking Pam for some dating advice.
2: Pam, hi. How you doing? Good. Listen, uh, may I speak with you privately? You
4: can't fire me, Dwight, just because Michael's not here. No,
2: Pam. Just I'm um, just wait.
4: You need to get something for your girlfriend? Girlfriend,
2: yes. And the reason I didn't get anything for this particular person, who shall remain nameless, is that she's not really the kind of person you think would be into Valentine's Day. She's kind of...
4: Tightly wound?
2: Exactly.
4: Okay, well, sometimes the gift is really about the gesture. You know, like, what it means instead of what it is.
2: You mean, like a ham?
4: No, not like a ham. It's about doing something, so that the person knows that you really care about her.
2: Okay, I get it. That's great. Okay, shut up. I know exactly what to do.
3: (laughs) I love that. Yeah, that's a very common Dwightism. Seek out advice from someone and while they're in the middle of helping. Yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah, thanks. Shut up. Yeah. Especially <laughs> Pam. That, yeah. That happens to her a lot in Dwight interactions. <laughs> yeah.
0: But this is really the first time we get it so full throated.
3: I also love the tone of voice he uses to affirm uh, Pam's description of Angela. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I feel like it's, like, a step away from Hello, Clarice. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. (laughs) I also like,
0: as he approaches Pam, Pam immediately assumes that he's trying to fire her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because Dwight's given him the power of temporary manager for the day. Or Michael, you mean. Oh, yeah. What did I I say? You said
3: Dwight. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Dwight could have given Dwight the power, he would have. So <laughs> It's true. Yeah. That's a funny scene. Yeah. Poor
0: Pam. I know. <laughs> like a ham? <laughs> <laughs> so much patience.
3: Yeah. No, not like a ham. <laughs> but I kind of get where Dwight's coming from with like a ham. I feel like that. I mean, yeah, it I- makes sense if you think in terms of like 18th century agrarian culture. Going, Not so much modern, but right. You know, it's Dwight we're talking about here. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Only Dwight. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So now we get a little presentation preamble between <laughs> all of the regional managers who are waiting to give their presentations at the corporate HQ. How
4: about you, Craig? Do you lose anyone? Oh man. Jan called me in september and she's like you gotta fire four people and i was just like what you know did you no i just ignored her she's the worst she's our boss <laughs> she ain't my boss dude i don't work for that bitch hey okay, okay come on you know that's not just, what? Let's cool it you like Jan? how can you like Jan? maybe because she's my girlfriend was or not my girlfriend she's, we hooked up, and... You hooked up with yeah, Jan? It's just, you know, months ago, it was just once. It was, God, just stupid. Just,
0: just forget it. <laughs> yeah, let's change the
2: Yeah,
4: subject. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny tone he has there at the end. Which person? Michael? Michael, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Because
0: <laughs> it seems like Josh is genuinely trying to, like, avoid more awkwardness. On Michael's behalf yeah and then Michael's like yeah yeah let's change the subject like
3: yeah <laughs> it's really funny he's really helping him out
0: but I think it's really more that Michael just feels so flustered in the moment he doesn't know how to respond to anything
3: yeah I like the. I like all their reactions that one manager who only has a couple lines he just looks shocked <laughs> yeah stone-faced it's true Kregers seems really intrigued and excited right and he seems to be looking at Michael with a newfound respect. I noticed too in his yeah. eyes, it's just like whoa, like I did not right know who this guy was. <laughs> I didn't know he had it in
0: him. And uh, Josh, Josh is the I feel only like, person. yeah, Josh hears that and he goes through every scenario in his head about like how how wrong this is. Yeah,
3: and, uh, I feel like Josh is behaving the way I feel most normal people would in yeah. that situation. It's like let's
0: not talk about this. Mm-hmm. Not appropriate for the meeting we're about to have. So we cut to Jim and he's in the break room with Kelly. Right. And Kelly's still going on about Ryan. Uh, She says, I don't know what he's thinking, but I would just be so psyched if we just dated forever. Jim says, you know, take it slow because it seems like a lot of times these things need. And before he finishes, Ryan walks in. and Ryan (laughs) just looks at Kelly and says, soda. (laughs) <laughs> Kelly says, cool. Hey, so do you want to do something tonight? Or before she finishes, Jim's like, oh, no, no, not not while I'm here. Yeah, totally just to himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just feeling really awkward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Kelly says, I mean, I, I know it's Valentine's Day or whatever, but there's totally no pressure at all of any kind whatsoever. So... Ryan says, I can't tonight.
3: I have plans with my friends. I think he says it in a weird tone. Like it was like. Very practiced. Practiced. Like he. I can't tonight. I have plans with my friends. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He knew this was coming. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to have that response locked and loaded. Maybe that's his first Rolodex excuse. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Or maybe this is the moment where he's like, oh man, I need a Rolodex of excuses. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Heartbroke down, dentist appointment, <laughs> MSG allergy, peanut allergy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kelly says, Okay, that's cool. I completely understand. Ryan says, Cool, cool. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty awkward. It was very awkward. Cut to Pam. She's bringing another bouquet to Phyllis's desk, along with a heart shaped box of chocolates. She's also, if you look at Phyllis's desk, she's got heart shaped balloons now floating above her desk as well she could open a valentine's themed shop yeah Yeah,
3: for sure for easily at this point
0: yeah (laughs) so pam's over it even phyllis seems pretty over it she doesn't even react or respond to the flowers or the chocolate that was just brought to her she just kind of like oh
3: okay just add it to the pile i mean at a certain point it's all kind of an imposition oh yeah
0: it's true (laughs) she's trying to work and like her desk is just (laughs) cluttered with valentine's everything
3: I also like this weird little random detail we get for this one-off episode that Bob Vance is like the Leslie Nope of Valentine's Day with his significant other. Yeah. he just goes way all out and
0: above and beyond. I to think, the level of insanity. I think Bob is really just head over heels for her. Just, yeah, totally. And this is, and he's just, and it's great. You know, he's
3: I mean, they have he's not holding. On. Yeah,
0: he's not holding back at this point. He's just he wants to show Phyllis like, you know. You're you're it. You're the one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the camera cuts over to Meredith and we find that Meredith is over it most of all. <laughs> she's straight up scowling at Phyllis. The camera cuts and we see Meredith in the break room squeezing a lime and dumping tonic water into her big gulp cup.
3: Ah, so that's yeah. There's the clue. Let's like, look down for a second. Yeah, there is the the indication, yes, the indication. That you don't think she's just getting her quinine for the day? <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> uh,
0: so we cut to HQ. Everyone's meeting David Wallace, shaking hands and all that. Michael shakes David Wallace's hand as Jan introduces them, and David Wallace says, "Nice to meet you." Michael says, "Ditto." Michael looks at Jan, asks her how asks her how she's doing. And she says, "Fine, Michael. Thank you." She looks pretty tense, like.
3: Very tense. She's just waiting for Michael to to slip up. I feel like she would look slightly less tense if she was being marched to a firing squad <laughs> that she was not holding a gun in.
0: I know, right? <laughs> uh, so David Wallace, once they all you know are introduced and sit down and settle in, he explains that, or just explains what he wants from them for today. Yeah. Yeah just financial information, make sure that the company is still financially viable. Your basic rundown. Yeah. Just give me a rundown. (laughs) We get a talking head with Jan. She's explaining nervous. No, I'm not nervous. Well, I guess I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little nervous. Um, the new CFO is judging me on this too. And well, it it is Michael. So yeah, I'm, I'm very nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Tries to play it so cool in the beginning of that interview.
3: So let's meet David Wallace. David Walrus. Finally. It's been a long time coming. I know. I'm excited that he's here. Me too. He's a great addition to the show. He
0: is. David Wallace is played by Andy Buckley. Andy Buckley was born in Salem, Massachusetts. He attended Stanford and received a degree in poli sci. Wow. He later studied sketch comedy and improvisation at the Groundlings Theater with Melissa McCarthy and Dax Shepard. Interesting. Yeah. He's a noted stockbroker, but has been appearing in TV and film roles since the early 90s. Buckley played David Wallace, obviously, the embattled CFO and later CEO. Hey, spoilers,
3: Rob. Oh, it's not. (laughs) This show, at its heart... Is about the journey of David Waller, David <laughs> Wallace's corporate experience. Okay, well, ap- apologies. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. It's the hallmark of what we hope to build
0: our basis upon. <laughs> hallmark of the foundation. Oh, I messed it up. You did. Well.
1: <laughs>
0: in addition to The Office, Buckley has appeared in television series such as The League, CSI Miami, NYPD Blue, The West Wing, and Veep. In 2010, his bit in the film The Other Guys climaxed with a fall from an eighth-floor ledge. That was uh, Did you ever see that movie?
3: I did, but I, I do know. not remember that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's I mean, I,
0: I vaguely remember. I don't remember the the action leading up to that moment.
3: Yeah, uh, me neither. I think I saw it in theaters, and that, that was it. That was I it, liked yeah. it, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's I, not really... Doesn't have a whole lot of rewatch
3: value. I don't know if I ever thought about it until right this moment. <laughs> yeah, true. after I left the theater.
0: <laughs> that year, he had a another supporting role in the film Life as We Know It with Catherine Heigl and Josh Duhamel. As of 2011, Buckley was cast as Captain Corelli in the children's film Alvin and the Chipmunks: Chipwrecked. Yeah. He played Rose Byrne's husband in the 2011 hit movie Bridesmaids though his part was mostly cut. Bummer. Yeah. He was cast as Ted Mercer, a happily married adoptive parent and plastic surgeon in ABC family's The Lying Game. In 2015, he appeared in a supporting role in the science fiction adventure film Jurassic World. Buckley joined the cast of writer director Christopher Blake Johnson for an indie horror film called All Light Will End. Alongside Sarah Butler, John Shuck, and Sam Jones the hmm. Third. Yeah, that's Andy Buckley.
3: All right. Yeah, great straight man, straight man to the stars.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he seems to err on the side of comedies. Yeah, yeah. Although I feel like you know he'd be perfectly fine in a dramatic role or dramatic film.
3: Yeah. I'm surprised we don't see more of him. Maybe he just doesn't want to. Yeah, it's possible. You need to get started with the groundlings. So, yeah, he's gravitated towards comedy most of his career.
0: It's true. So, we cut back to HQ. Uh, Josh is finish, finishing up his presentation. Says they got 12 new local clients and had over 4% organic growth, beating the pre year targets. And in the notes, I don't know why I did this, <laughs> yeah. but I put, good boy, Joshy.
3: <laughs> was getting late and you a little tired. <laughs> Maybe. <doing this. laughs>
0: I just remember looking at him, and he had like such like a proud look on his face. Like
3: he does also have a boyish uh, charm about him. It's I'll, true. I'll say that He's, it's true. Yeah, I feel like I could see him like on a bottle of milk, or not like on the are you have you seen this child <laughs> part, but like the advertising part, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, but as a child, milk does your yeah. body good. Yeah, and then it's a picture <laughs> of Josh. Yeah, but as a kid, right? Uh,
0: and from here, we get a clip. Covering the Michael Scott joint, which (laughs) I've been debating. Do I unpack it with kind of commentary during the clip, or should we just talk about it after the clip is over? Hmm. Because there's some things that are said throughout the clip that are funny, but they're only really funny because of what's behind
3: them. Um, it's not that long. It's, we just talk Yeah, we'll just about talk about after. it. After. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay, it's not everything necessarily is worth commenting on.
0: No, definitely not. It's really just a lot of it's just boring shots of people around the office. So,
1: thank you. Okay, Michael.
4: <clears throat> what is a business? Is it a collection of numbers and sales reports? Sure. But as you know, David and Jan, it is much more. Life moves a little slower in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and that's the way we like it. Because at Dunder Mifflin Scranton, we're not just in the paper business, we're in the people business. Let's meet some of the folks who make the Scranton branch so special. This is Stanley Hudson, one of our talented salesmen, an African-American father of two. Stanley's dedication is no doubt one of the hallmarks of the foundation of the business we're hoping to build our basis on. Yeah, I shot a bunch of footage around the office, edited it together on my Mac. I was thinking about entering it at some festivals. Probably won't. You know, not what this is about. But... And finally, Pam Beasley. Look at her. Look how cute. Not bad at all as the receptionist, Pam is truly the gateway to our world. Well, I hope this gave you a little taste of what life is like here at Dunder Mifflin Scranton. What it's like to walk a mile in Oscar's shoes or try and Phyllis's his pants. Next time you're in town, give us a call. Stop on by. I'm sure you'll be greeted by a big smile and a how you doing, pal. Maybe even one of Angela's famous brownies. And you'll know... At your home Grace Scott. Questions. Wow. Okay. OK, thank you, Michael. That was great. Yes, thank you. But for right now, what I'd really like to know about is the branch's performance. So do you have that information as well? Yes, absolutely, David.
3: Get that for you. I (laughs) am. I love David's reaction. Just the wow. (laughs) Okay, Michael, that was great, but (laughs) I feel like (laughs) he does a
0: good job considering the situation of being somewhat empathetic to Michael's feelings, knowing that. You know, Michael didn't spend probably a whole lot of time on the video, but enough, enough too much. Yes.
3: I also assume that, you know, starting in a new company as the CFO, David probably asked for a brief description of the managers he'd be meeting and was probably warned about Michael that, you know, this guy's a surprisingly competent salesperson and a decent manager, but one of the most ridiculous human beings you'll ever meet. Cause he seemed like it wasn't entirely unexpected, but maybe just the level of, like yeah what he was dealing with? It yeah, just like,
0: wow <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's let's unpack this video,
3: yeah, first let's and do.
0: foremost, uh most of the footage that we get for this video were actually from the prior two episodes, Boys and Girls in the Carpet, ah. based off of what people are
3: wearing and that would make sense too, just chronologically with Michael with a handheld camera,
0: yeah, yeah so. So, video opens up. We get a shot of Dunder Mifflin delivery truck in Michael's parking space. We get the title card, Faces of Scranton by Michael Scott. (laughs) We see Pam sitting at her desk. Jim kind of waves the camera away. Dwight gives a very enthusiastic two thumbs up to the camera. (laughs) Uh, Michael says, life Moves a little slower in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and we see a slow-mo shot of Phyllis walking out of the break room with
3: coffee. <laughs> and it is hilariously slow. It's so and slow. I, I feel like the pants that they have her wearing make it even funnier because yeah. they're very baggy and they're just like swishing through the <laughs> air in slow motion. It makes me think... Of one of of the, one of the earlier scenes of the movie Jurassic Park when they see the brontosauruses for the first time mm-hmm. and they're in the jeep and you just see them slowly working their way up over like the crest of the hill and they're just like my god yeah it it feels exactly like that <laughs> it's to so me. true yeah <laughs> she's like lumbering yeah. gracefully but still yeah. lumbering yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's so good uh. uh and that's the way
0: we like it, because at Dunder Mifflin Scranton, so we get a we get a shot of Michael sitting yeah, at his desk it in his office as with he his says His voiceover this, yeah. is
3: like, but he is actually right. finishing saying what he's saying. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we're not just in the paper business. <laughs> see Meredith smile. We're awkwardly. The, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're in the people business, and we see Oscar and Kevin wave reluctantly at the camera.
3: Mm-hmm. Very forced smiles. Uh huh.
0: Ryan is hiding in the kitchen. <laughs> Michael says, let's meet some of the folks. We see Angela who fake smiles. Mm-hmm. Who make the Scranton branch so special. We see Roy driving a forklift telling Michael to get out of the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> This is Stanley Hudson, one of our talented salesmen.
3: I also love that it looks like from the angle that they have on Stanley, like yeah. Michael knew that he couldn't get very close to Stanley because he would get upset. So he's like standing like across the room, just way zoomed in on his face.
0: Oh, really? So no, what what I saw was that. Michael probably was standing behind Stanley. Oh, you think
3: just getting just a shot took, over just, his yeah, shoulder?
0: took the camera and just <laughs> kind of put it out by Stanley's face. Because Stanley obviously notices there's something there. Yeah. Because he first looks up.
3: Oh, okay, I didn't catch that.
0: The and then he glances up. directly over at the camera. Which oh, is, okay. Yeah. So I guess it is right, just, yeah, right, <laughs> right in his face. Hovering over his head. <laughs>
3: He looks very irritated.
0: Oh, of course. Uh, Michael has to point out that he's an African-American father of two. Right. (laughs) And that he's worked there for 11 years. Uh, Michael goes on with his narration, says, Stanley's dedication is no doubt one of the hallmarks of the foundation of the business we're hoping to build our basis on. (laughs) Which means absolutely nothing. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> but it, you know what's funny is I feel like the first number of times I watched through the series, that line never really stood out to me. Only Really? Be, only because it's <laughs> like, you know, if you don't really pay attention to what he's saying, it sounds like something that someone would say in a video like this.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when you... All the right words are in it. Right. They're just not in an order that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. You break it down. You're <laughs> like, What?
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good. We see Dwight hold up a Dunder Mifflin catalog. And Michael says, and finally, Pam Beasley. <laughs> the camera pulls back from the receptionist's nameplate to Pam's desk. And then he says, Look at her. Look how cute. <laughs> we get a different shot of Pam, who looks slightly frustrated with Michael. Michael says, Not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Michael nuzzling up next to Pam as she talks on the phone. <laughs> and he says... "I like
3: that we also cut briefly to Kregger's during this point of the video. That's right. And he looks like he's <laughs> mildly interested for the first right. time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: he perks up when he sees yeah. Pam on screen.
3: He's also, he's definitely still perplexed, but...
0: Yeah. But a little interest. But he's like, yeah, she's cute. <laughs> yeah. As the receptionist... Pam is truly the gateway to our world. We see Pam and Jim sit and chat in the break room, and Pam gives the camera a thumbs up, and Jim joins her. And we see Michael in the break room kitchen dipping a tea bag into an empty mug. Yep. <laughs> that looks bone dry. He says, well, I hope this gives you a little taste of what life is like here in Dunder Mifflin, Scranton. What it's like to walk a mile in Oscar's shoes. We see Oscar walking to his desk. Or try on Phyllis's pants. See Phyllis (laughs) sitting down in slow motion. (laughs) Next time you're in town, give us a call. Stop on by. We see Kelly at Ryan's desk and Ryan waves for the camera. Michael says, I'm sure you'll be greeted by a big (laughs) smile. Kevin smiles for the camera. And a how you doing, pal. (laughs) Dwight gives another enthusiastic thumbs up as Creed's walking by. (laughs) Maybe even one of Angela's famous brownies. Let me see Angela at her desk with a plate of brownies. It almost makes me think that Michael maybe just brought in a plate of brownies. 100%. Yeah, because I don't see Angela making brownies for everybody just randomly.
3: I paused it to get a closer look, and I wasn't able to determine it conclusively one way or the other. But the angle and the perspective on the brownies plate compared to where the camera is always made me think it almost kind of looked like he was holding out a plate of brownies in one hand (laughs) in frame to look like it was sitting at the edge of her desk. Because she's got papers all over her desk, but I don't see anywhere that plate could go. Where it wouldn't be sitting lopsided on a bunch of documents. Right, and she definitely wouldn't have had it there. No, I feel like she does make brownies, but it's only for parties. Parties. She would never just put them on her desk. No, she wouldn't want people walking up to her desk randomly throughout the day. No, and I feel like there's other times where she has brought in brownies not for an event and she leaves them at Pam's desk at reception. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, I don't think she would ever have it at her desk. Okay, that's funny. She doesn't want to invite people to come over? (laughs) It's Angela. That's my point. Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: And then, finally, we get the title card.
3: Great Scott!
0: (laughs) At the end of the thing. Yeah, it's a little audio clip of Michael saying, Great Scott! Kind of like uh, Robin Williams does. Uh Uh-huh. And also... Has a picture of Robin Williams and Steve Martin. Yep. Around a lightning bolt with Great Scott Films
3: International written around it. Right. It looks like he also just cut these out of magazines and pasted them on a That's true. Yeah, like maybe, maybe stock or something.
0: Maybe this is just a photo of a title card that he put together. I'm like, pretty sure it is. Yeah. He just
3: filmed a title card that he built. That's amazing. I also wonder, I just thinking about this clip again, and there's really no way to know this for sure unless we somehow got an interview with someone that worked on this and they remembered. Yeah. But uh, it seems like in the clips of Phyllis, she's moving so slowly, even compared to everyone else. I wonder if just the clips of her specifically, they have it like one and a half or one and a quarter times slower than all the other slow motion clips, just because right. it's funnier that just way. for effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I I mean, who knows, but... I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, or if they just asked her to move slowly and the footage they took used. I mean, it could be anything, That's possible, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All right. So we unpacked the Michael Scott joint. Let's get back to the episode. Let's do it. Even more flowers arrive at Pam's desk. This time she looks optimistic until she reads the tag. (laughs) <laughs> she brings the flowers over to Oscar, and Angela asks her, Nothing for me? Pam says, very salty, join the club. Oscar reads the card, looks happy, and then slightly concerned. Mm-hmm. He folds the card back up and quickly puts it in his pocket. Kevin asks him, who's it's from? And Oscar just kind of dismisses it and says, oh, my mom.
3: Yep. Poor Oscar. But Gotta hide his love.
0: Yeah. After... It was revealed a couple episodes ago he right. has a, a lover that he's not willing to go public with.
1: Nope.
0: So we cut to Dwight hanging up a phone, and he quickly walks away from his desk, only to reveal that Meredith has passed out on her desk with her <laughs> with her head just laying on her desk, with her tongue slightly out. She's obviously too much to drink we see Kelly and Jim they're back in the break room Kelly's still going on and on about Ryan Jim's having a hard time watching her struggle because I think he sees a little bit of himself Yeah, what Kelly's I, experiencing right now I mean I would say more than a little bit yeah. I would say
3: everything that Jim says to Kelly in this scene he might as well just be by himself in the room it's true to himself, but, it's true so Jim. Yeah. Jim tells her you know what
0: here's the deal, Kelly. It'd be real great if Ryan were into you, right? But he isn't. Kelly says, yeah, but it'd be so great if he was. Jim says, yeah, but he's not though. So you've just got to suck it up and move on. Try and have some fun. Come into my poker game tonight. Okay, cool. Is it okay if I invite Ryan?
3: <laughs> I love the little irritated sigh and harumph that Jim gives her. <laughs> yeah. She didn't get anything that he just explained to her. And he doesn't even say anything. He just leaves. Yeah, he just
0: walks out. (laughs) Uh, So we cut back to HQ. Dan's finishing his presentation. And Craig's up next. But uh uh-oh. Craig was not aware he was supposed to present like a report or whatnot.
3: No good job Craigie boy coming up.
0: (laughs) Jan asks what he thought a financial presentation meant. He thought it was just sort of a meet-and-greet kind of thing. David and Jan both look very upset. They ask if he's aware that this was to see if drastic measures had to be taken to steer the company in a financially viable direction, and that this does not bode well for his branch. Craig gets defensive and says, Aw, you know what? Michael made a stupid video, and he didn't get in trouble. Maybe I should have slept with you, too, directed at Jan.
3: What a jerk. Yeah, crackers. Throws uh, Michael under the bus, right? And Jan, and calls his movie stupid. Well, it was pretty stupid. No, <laughs> yeah, it was. But Michael also brought financials documents. That's as true. Well as making a movie, he, yeah, you he, know, he had the reports ready. He to did go. not do his job. He right. just did his job plus an insane extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Michael.
0: <laughs> uh and as soon as it's revealed that. You know, Michael slept with Jan. There's stern looks thrown all around the room. David at Jan, Jan at Michael. Michael at the wall.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) David
0: looks just very taken aback as well. Oh, super surprised. Just doesn't even know what to think right now. And here I have kind of like three or four clips in one, all centered around a talking head with Dwight. Talking about how women are like wolves. And okay. I I kind of felt like all of these clips were meant to be around that talking head. Okay. Yeah. So here's the clip. Let's check it out. Okay. No, okay. No, no, all right. I'm not this- I'm
4: not I just I just don't know what to do anymore, Michael. I mean, I'm probably gonna get fired. No, you're not. Uh, Yeah, I I Michael, the CFO thinks that we slept together. Don't you understand? People get fired for much less. And I just can't believe that you told everybody and we didn't even sleep together. Technically we fell asleep in the same bed. Oh God. Michael, it was months ago. It was once. It's over. Do you understand? Yes. I'm sorry. I'll fix this. I'll talk to him. I'll talk to David. Shirley, you cannot be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Airplane.
2: Women are like wolves. If you want a wolf, you have to trap it. You have to snare it, and then you have to tame it. Keep it happy, care for it, feed it, lovingly, the way an animal deserves to be loved. And my animal deserves a lot of loving.
3: Hey, babe, you almost ready to go?
4: I guess,
2: yeah. What's wrong?
4: Nothing. It's just that I had to sit here all day while Phyllis got like an entire garden delivered to her.
2: What? You're mad at me?
4: I mean, I know that we said no big gifts, but I was kind of hoping you'd get me something for Valentine's Day.
0: Well, Valentine's Day isn't over. Let's get you home, and you are going to get the best sex of your life. You
4: understand this is a very serious situation. No, 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 no. Yes, I, I, okay, well... All right, here's the deal. This is my fault. This is this is totally on me. Before you guys came in, I was talking to the guys, we were all chatting, and I made a joke, a really dumb joke, and Craig the Idiot took it seriously.
1: You made a joke? I
4: did. It was stupid. And Craig, you saw him. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> Although he is a tool. <laughs> well, I don't need to explain to you that even a joke about sexual relations with your boss... I know. It was borderline at best. And... And Jan is a fantastic executive and has all the integrity in the world. And um I'm really sorry and then that'll never happen again. Uh oh, that's fine. Let's just uh just
3: forget it. Okay,
1: good.
0: All right. A lot to unpack here. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Let's I mean let's let's do it chronologically. All so right.
3: I remember where that started. Jan. Jan,
0: it's uh, Jan confronting Michael in her office about what right. he shared with the group. And this is the first time that Jan really lays it out for him, black and white. It was a one-time thing, and it's over. Do you understand? Right. It was a very sobering moment for Michael. I feel like you can even tell on his face. He's just like, well, this is it. Yeah. No more calling Jan my girlfriend or you know, trying to call her at home. <laughs> of course, Jan is gonna ruin that within about 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Time. I know. It <laughs> it actually kind of upsets me. It, it, it Jan never, could have been happy. It she never could have been normal. I mean, it never <laughs> has before, but like in this like seeing Michael kind of crushed by what she just said, saying it's over, do you understand? Uh-huh. And him agreeing and that he's sorry. And then she goes and kisses him, like right after all it's like, man, you're really just
3: well, she toying with she him. Wants, yeah, it's yeah. true. But and, uh, uh I also love that after he says that he'll go talk to David Wallace and make it right, and she says, surely you're not serious, that he <laughs> lights up because he gets to make an airplane reference. Yes, That's so <laughs> good. The, the gravity of the situation, the possibility, or even great probability of him getting fired and getting Jan fired, all of that melts away because yeah. he gets to say, don't call me Shirley. It's <laughs> <That's> so
0: good. <laughs> And then we get Dwight's talking head, and during the first part of his talking head, you see Angela discover a little gift on her desk, and right. she, she opens it, and it's a key. I
3: thought it was going to be a ham.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> and Dwight's talking about how women are like wolves. You've got to trap it, snare it, and you've got to tame it, and care for it, and-
3: how much you want about the first thing she sees when she goes to Dwight's farmhouse and uses the key for the first time to open the door is a fully prepared, decked-out ham <laughs> dining room table.
0: Dwight's wearing his wolf howling-at-the-moon shirt. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and
0: Birkenstocks with socks. Sex. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, I just felt like that talking head gives a lot of context for... How Michael responds to the situation with Jan. It does. And then you also see Roy, who's not treating Pam like the the wolf that that
3: deserves the loving. Deserves the loving. Right. No, I think you did I, I like what you did there. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think it is a good juxtaposition yeah. to just show everyone's take on what they do for their lady, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. yeah, even though you know Michael is not dating Jan in any sense of the word, really. And has kind of screwed her over. He does do the right thing and kind of gives right. her a legitimate Valentine's Day gift, so to speak. It's Not true. a romantic-based one, but... No. Still definitely does what he's supposed to do. But any, it seems like any time that
0: Michael shows tact in a social situation, Jan is immediately turned on by him. But it's only in those moments... The rest of the time, she largely finds him repulsive.
3: Yeah. (laughs) He's displayed that he's... uh, He showed her one of the many things that he... Well, maybe not many, but one of the things that he is well above average at. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine if he took her ice skating. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: love how quickly he disarms David Wallace... And then even uses Craig as like a like, oh, we have a a common disliking of this guy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use that
3: to my advantage and yeah. I think there's a lot of evidence that the show gives us that despite all appearances to the contrary, David Wallace and Michael Scott are not very dissimilar from one another in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean we also see in this meeting between uh them, the three of them in David's office. One of the few things David has decorating his office Ah, is a black black coffee mug with white cursive that says world's best boss. That's right. So I feel like he's like the kind of classier corporate version of Michael. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of weirdness to David Wallace. And I mean, even moving forward to when he's talking to Jim about uh, working in New York, hypothetically. Yeah. He says the one complaint that he, David Wallace, has about working in corporate is this HR guy. Kendall, it's just very irritating. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so he's got the weird, you know, bias against HR. And, yeah. and I feel like he, it, moving forward in the show, there's a lot of times where Michael does things that serve only to anger David Wallace. Yeah. And would anger anybody. And David takes it in stride. I feel like he gives Michael so much leeway so many times. Yeah. Where nobody else would do that, that he seems to feel some weird kinship with Michael, too, or... Connection or empathy, or he, does. he seems to just like him genuinely yeah, as a person, right? Even if he's blown away by how ridiculous he is as a person, it's just there's something there. It's true. It's very genuine. It's true.
0: Yeah, David Wallace ends up being a pretty complicated character here by the end, even though he's not a regular cast member.
3: Yeah, I mean, when Michael shows up at his house unannounced, he's overjoyed to see Michael. Oh yeah, he just couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think one of my favorite Michael Scott David Wallace scenes is when Michael is leaving the driveway. <laughs> I was about to say that. That is not
3: David Wallace. Yes. This <laughs> David is David just weird. slowly walking towards him, smiling and waving. waving. And Michael's just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just looking behind and backing out as fast as he so can. So <laughs> good. I uh, can't wait. Yeah, without the. Uh... <laughs> I, I guess without the pomp and circumstance, Michael's not impressed by David Wallace. That that affect only goes one way. Yeah,
0: it's true. <laughs> so, back to the episode. We cut to Jim shutting down his computer, and he's seemingly excited to get home and host his card game. He walks past Pam's desk to get his coat without even really saying anything to her or acknowledging her. Uh-huh. And she looks up at him and says, oh, you're heading out? Jim says, Yeah. All right, Beasley. Oh, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Pam um, says bye and then gives
3: him that look again. I will also say, going back to looks that we talked about for a long time earlier, that I did notice 100% like definitively, because I went back to look at it a couple times, that when Jim turns to Pam and says, hey, happy V-Day, or Valentine's Day, and smiles at her, Mm-hmm. The second he turns and she can't see his face anymore, the smile just completely vanishes from his face. He doesn't look super sad or anything, but it's uh, like interesting. very much anybody who's worked, yeah. myself and you, and I'm sure plenty of our listeners in customer service before, I feel like it was very much the customer mm. service smile of like, oh, hey, great to see you. And then the second they're gone, you're just like, oh. yeah. interesting. I didn't notice that. And yeah, I don't think it was, I mean, it wasn't him obviously disliking Pam or anything like that but just that he's you know not as in a as great a mood as he's making it out to be
0: i feel like he has been purposefully avoiding her all day
3: oh yeah yeah we also see that she talked about uh with roy in the beginning when she was explaining that they were planning the wedding so they said no big gifts we see that she is planning the wedding like on a piece of notepad she's writing seating arrangements and stuff Oh, so she might've been talking about it just in scenes that we don't see. Yeah. So just one more reason for him. Cause we do see in episodes where they make it a point to bring up that she's planning the wedding, that Jim does very purposefully avoid right her. And when she starts bringing it up to people, he leaves the room. That's true.
0: I was also going to say, you know, last episode we learned that Roy essentially has no interest in discussing her day no. with, with
3: Pam and or even trying to be a good lover unless it's Valentine's Day. Right. As we find out from this episode. <laughs> yeah. He's only so, going to be on a sexual A game one day a year. That's <laughs> what she has to look forward to for the rest of her life. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I feel like maybe this is also Jim, in a way, going out of his way to not be that person for Pam on this day. So that she kind of realizes what her life yeah. would be like without him in
3: Maybe at work, but just in general. This is Jim and Pam the Negging, part one. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I Maybe that
0: also kind of explains the looks she was giving him all day.
3: You just reminded me of what news I wanted to bring up that I forgot about, because wow. it relates to this now mildly. Okay, let's hear it. Um, that I watched most of, I still haven't finished all of it yet, but most of Aziz Ansari's new stand-up special on Netflix. Oh, okay and he brought up in part of it just how things have changed over time and one of the things he brought up was the office and he said that uh you know Jim is hitting on like an engaged woman for like 4 years it's so <laughs> like it's really not okay you know he just doesn't stop right they're like you know if this was real life is the reason that they'd be filming the office is because it's you know just all evidence leading up to a landmark sexual harassment case pam's gonna file against jim <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i mean but uh, my point yeah. wasn't that he's right so much as that it speaks to you know the reason i was gonna bring it up in the news section it speaks to how relevant the office still is today that you know comedians are bringing it up Right. Years later, right. as you know, a reference to how things are now using that as a reference point to compare to, and yeah, that that it's so ubiquitous years ago. Yeah. that it's
0: so ubiquitous that everybody would understand the reference exactly. Too. Yeah, I mean,
3: it is it's such a great show, and he referenced his own show, Parks and Recreation, as well, but he referenced The Office first before yeah. his own TV show. Wow, interesting. Yeah, huh.
0: so after. Jim leaves the building, and Pam is left at her desk. Phyllis comes around the corner. <laughs> she it's is fair. struggling to carry this giant teddy bear out of the building, clearly bigger than her. And Phyllis, or rather Pam, says good night. Phyllis. Phyllis says good night. We she cut. sounds
3: a little winded too while she says <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, she's she's really struggling. <laughs> we cut back to Michael corporate headquarters and he's standing alone waiting for the elevator we see jan come in she wants to thank him again for what he did back there it was really nice michael says oh no big deal and again i'm i'm really sorry the elevator begins to close and jan stops it she says no it's okay so uh happy valentine's day michael says it in return and jan looks around Make sure that no one's there, and she leans in and kisses Michael right on the lips when she pulls Not away. bad
3: at all. <laughs> Not bad at all.
0: <laughs> when she pulls away, Michael looks very surprised. He kind of looks up at her and then looks over, and he sees the camera, and he looks surprised again. Jan notices his expression. She looks at the camera. And all of a sudden, she says, Oh... <laughs> the elevator closes and Michael is standing like so close to the door it almost looks like the elevator could have closed on his nose. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Honestly, if that were me, I feel like I would have, you know, pulled my head back a
3: little bit. It was that close. I I don't think he was in a headspace to think about the elevator door or that he was in no. the elevator. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh
0: and from here we get one last shot of Michael on the street. Now he's in front of the Broadway production of Fiddler on the Roof.
3: Oy vey smear. Yeah. And then he does the Fiddler jig. Tevye dance. Is that what it's called? Well, not uh, not specifically, but the character who does that dance and the main character in Fiddler of the Roof is named Tevye. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never seen it, so. Ah, yeah. well. I have. <laughs> and uh,
0: it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's the Oh god the general plot plot line?
3: <sighs> really, really put me on the spot for this one. <laughs>
0: you uh, don't have to. I was just curious. I don't it know. involves
3: a close knit Jewish community of yesteryear, very yesteryear, and mm. I know it has to do with the main character's daughter is entering into I think an arranged marriage maybe by the matchmaker in the town and Was that a thing? There's a bunch of other stuff. Kind of, I guess. I guess it depends on the community we're in. I uh, I do not know about my cultural heritage as I should, probably. Um, but yeah, I. it wasn't that their family set it up, but I think that a lot of like small Jewish communities did have a matchmaker person who would kind of couple up younger kids in the community, and that was her job. Maybe people paid her. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure. Or maybe it was a hymn sometimes. I I don't know that much about it. But I know that the the play has to do with arranged marriage and borrowed money and uh, just business issues. And Mm -hmm. again, it's been a long time. I saw it as a kid. I did not remember much. I've been going through The Nanny with Carrie. Do they make a lot of
0: references to Fiddler on the Roof? No, but uh, one of the plot lines is that uh, Fran's mother cares more about her getting married than friend even does ah she's right. just constantly badgering her to find a man and get married gotcha yeah so trying to be her matchmaker something along those lines yeah so yeah we did it that's the episode we did it
3: woo it's all she wrote. That was he, uh, is the case. Maybe Michael. Sure. They
0: really packed it in that one. Yeah, it was a dense, super dense heavy
3: episode.
0: I mean, it's just constant cutting back and forth between corporate and the office. And there's these just really packed, you know, minute long scenes. Yeah.
3: And it's so, so much happening. A lot of moving pieces.
0: Yeah. We get Michael all over New York there in the beginning and forget about
3: it. Forget about it. <laughs> you got like a little uh, little fat Brando in yours. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just trying to do the most exaggerated version of Michael's forget about it I possibly could. <laughs> on that note, you want to move on to ratings? Let's do
3: it. Ratings. Ratings, ratings, ratings. All right. I guess it's on me. It is Isn't on you. It? Yes. Oh, man. It's a tough one. That's what he said. <laughs> you know, because of gay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Where are we going to rate this episode? I like this episode a lot. Mm-hmm. I always get really excited when I see it coming up. Yep. Like being David Wallace the first time. I like yes. all the stuff with Michael in New York. Mm hmm. The office in general. I think I'm gonna give this episode. I'm trying to think of my unit now. I'm having a hard time. Mm, the dreaded unit. The dreaded unit. I'm gonna give it eight and a half strip clubs. I was kicked out of in Albany. Nice. Um, Man, ten.
0: We have been in lockstep with our ratings lately. I had that number in my head from earlier today. Even.
3: Oh wow. Yeah. I just came up with it on the spot, but it oh. felt right. Yeah, it does. <laughs> And, uh, the MVP. Yes. That too is a tough one. Oh boy. I think I'm going to give it to Michael again for his movie. All right. Yeah. I'm going to have to make it a point to not give Michael the MVP for the next episode. This is two episodes in a row. Yeah. It to Michael. Yeah. And I don't like doing it, but I, I feel like it would have not been genuine. I would have been doing it for the sake of not doing it if I didn't. Yeah. So I'm going to give it to Michael Okay, for his Michael Scott joint. Great Scott. He is really great in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Taking a walk and Phyllis's pants. (laughs) I like it all. (laughs) Great Scott. His joke being borderline at best. It's all good stuff. I thought about giving it to Craigers, but ultimately I just don't think there's enough Craigers (laughs) for me to, I mean, if you want to, that's cool, but not for me.
0: Well, funny you bring up Craigers. All right. Because I give this episode eight and a half Kregers out of ten. Hey! hey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a good unit. Yeah. I like that we both have Craigers related units. Yes. Agreed.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Love this episode. Love the fact that it's Valentine's Day. So it kind of puts a spotlight on all of the relationships in the office right now. We've got Michael and Jan, Dwight and Angela, Kelly and Ryan, which is a obviously brand new romance. Then we got Pam and Roy and to some extent Jim and Pam, but it doesn't, I wouldn't say it focuses on them. If anything, it, it goes out of its way to
3: focus on them indirectly. Their relationship is currently being defined by the absence of a romantic relationship. Kind
0: of. Yeah. (laughs) And that Jim, you know, was going out of his way to not talk to Pam that day.
3: Right. You know, a lot of time in the break room with Kelly.
0: Yeah. He was just trying to move on and have some fun.
3: And then he kind of blows up at Kelly about Pam. Right. I think it was getting to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: 100%.
0: Yeah. And yeah, he was trying to prove to himself that, you know, maybe he could get through a Valentine's day without, you know, feeling like he didn't have anyone. Right. Yeah. Getting those weird, indecipherable looks from Pam over at her desk. And speaking of those indecipherable looks from Pam, I love how you're just giving me segues into my <laughs> into my rating spiel. My MVP for this episode is Pam.
3: That's a good one.
0: I really loved all all of her reactions to everybody else getting Valentine's Day gifts. I think that was that was my favorite part going through this episode for this show was just watching Pam just the more it goes on, the more annoyed she is that everybody else is getting all this love and attention and affection that she's that's all she she just wants a little bit just a little bit from somewhere at some point that day and she never gets it
3: and she's the person that also decorated the most and went all out she changed her appearance mm-hmm. and then she just becomes more and more embittered throughout the day yeah and I, I, she did a good job yeah
0: she did a great job in this episode
3: great job Pammy. yeah they like it there we have it yeah, yeah. maybe i should have put more thought into mine but here we are. I've
0: been trying to think about these things before we we hit the mics, so to speak.
3: That's a good thing. I usually do, but I did not today, in the case of the MVP or the rating, at least. Yeah, true. I'm going to give it to Stanley for looking up at the camera with those big baleful eyes of his.
0: <laughs> I did really love that scene, and the thought the thought did cross my mind. <laughs> to a name, Stanley, just for that.
3: But just give Stanley the MVP in every episode <laughs> because of all the good African Americans have done.
0: Maybe we'll just have a, an ongoing segment of favorite Stanley moment at the end of every Stanley episode. Stanley gets the honorary
3: fine work award for <laughs> yeah. from Out of Paper. There you go. <laughs> yes, it's messed up. <laughs> I don't know if I feel comfortable with awarding Stanley a fine work award every episode. No. But he is great. I'm putting my foot down, Rob. I'm going to go off. I'm going to start my own podcast. Oh, yeah? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You know, they say, don't go into business with your friends. So I go into business with one of my best friends, and this is what happens. What happened? I'm lost. No, where no, no, where did I, things I, all of a sudden go quoting, awry? I'm just quoting Michael uh, being petulant about starting his own paper company. Oh, right. Yeah. I have no <laughs> I have no problems. <laughs>
0: Good, I hope not. No. I've been having fun doing this. It's been great. Okay. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you, man. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, paper people, I think that's all we got for you. I think so. I wish we had a Valentine that we could give to you.
3: Yeah, a nice little midsummer Valentine. A little
0: midsummer Valentine. We are almost as far away from Valentine's Day as we could be.
3: That's true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe hmm. maybe sometime soon the show will align with our current seasonal timeline.
3: That'd be cool. Yeah. What's uh, the next holiday episode we've got coming up? I don't know. Not in this season, I don't think. No, we're getting close to the end here. Maybe there's a Is there Saint, Halloween episode this Saint season. St. Patty's Day reference?
0: No, because I mean we're already in oh, February. Already in February. 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 Yeah. Right. Call. I don't know when Casino Night takes place, but. They're not celebrating a holiday. I want to say it was still kind of cold outside during casino night.
3: Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Let's sync it up one of these days. Probably not, but
0: who knows? Who knows? Yeah. One season. It's inevitable. It's got to happen at
3: some point. Maybe we'll catch Diwali at the right time. You never know. Hey, there you go. (laughs) I like that. We could dress up in our saris. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Not wear shoes. Oh. Exactly. You already do that. Wow. (laughs)
0: <laughs> maybe i am indian after all rob <laughs> all right guys hit us up on social media i'm active on twitter now
3: right at O pod rob's holding down the twitter kind I of i might respond through twitter too you never know yeah we'll see there you go yeah
0: i've been i've been retweeting some kate flannery and some jenna fisher and all right even some angela kinsey i've been following ken tremendous a k a Michael schur cool, whose Twitter feed is very political, okay, so just keep that in mind before you right, follow yeah. him, but yeah, it's been fun,
3: yeah, any views you see of Michael schur may not reflect our own, they may, but they may not. we're gonna keep you guessing, we're <laughs> not going to say either way we're not gonna get into it, yeah. Yeah. We we keep that stuff out Take of Take whatever this. views you feel you hold strongly at heart and just put them on us. Yeah. And know that we share them. Exactly them with you. <laughs> Whoever's listening. That's we right. feel the same way about everything you fundamentally feel is very important to feel one way about.
0: There is no ideology for a paper
3: person. No. We are an, and we're not even paper people. We're out of paper. It's dude. true. Odd. Our our viewers are the paper people. Right. Or are they the lists people? Mm. Are we the ones, are we out of paper because we give it out? Do we give it
0: out? No. I feel like we're out of paper because we do this show completely for free. <laughs> <laughs> no ads. We cut, we get, we get. So chop chop paper people. We bring you this show ad free and what do we get in return?
3: <laughs> Nothing. Uh, no. This podcast really took a nosedive towards the end here, didn't it?
0: We, we do actually get a lot in return. I mean, not monetarily, but. No. i've really enjoyed the times that i've engaged with listeners yeah
3: i no, feel i great. feel
0: honestly i feel more connected to people from doing this show
3: yeah me too
0: and that's been like a really positive part of this yeah. that I, I really didn't expect we love you all and your input
3: we do and we want more of it i love it yeah
0: or just you know whatever you know, amount you're
3: comfortable with you know, even if you
0: even if you don't want to do it through social media just send us a message at out of paper at gmail right and i'll I'll type like a five paragraph response, I'm yeah, I just I get so into it,
3: and if you get one that's you know just as heartfelt but not nearly as long, that'll probably be for me, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've really enjoyed engaging with our listeners, so me too. it's been great. The more All of you have been great that I've. Yeah, interacted with so far. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, Rob. I'm sorry. There
0: you go. There's our Valentine to our listeners. We love you.
3: We love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Out of Paper Pod. We've slit our wrists.
0: <laughs> We've come to you and said, yeah. World, this is me. I bleed red, so love me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this Wolf is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we will catch you next week have a great week, people have a good one week not wake wake well i mean yeah, some people could be if you're having a wake, wake i hope that's as good as it can be yes <laughs> but yeah, usually <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry if you're lost yes there you go all right everybody see you next time take care
2: my name is cupid valentino the Martin day of cupid and i just want to say one thing happy valentine's day Say happy Valentine's Day. Every day the can y'all dig that? Now, when arrows don't penetrate, see. Q cracks the pistol. Ah, yeah. Now, now look at here. He shoots straight for your heart. Now, and, and he won't miss you. you. But that's alright. Y'all won't believe in me anyway. But. When Cupid knocks at your door. out
3: of paper is not endorsed by dld productions or nbc and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the office the office logo and all character pictures and audio of the office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders